Mic check, one, two, one, two. My name is Nakia Phoenix, and I promise to tell my truth, my whole truth. So help me God, this past year, this past few years, in fact, have been tumultuous and life-changing, and I've grown. I have evolved, not without some resistance and not without some overcoming some fears. Yeah. So I want to share my story. This, this podcast this season is going to be very personal. Now, I haven't done this before. I can't tell you exactly why, but now is the time. Now I am ready to share my story. I've shared the stories of friends and people that I admire. It's time to share my story. You see me on social media. You see me in campaigns, but I want you to really know me. And most importantly, I want to really know myself. So this podcast, this season is going to be a reflection of everything that I've been through in the past few years that have shaped who I am now and where I am at this moment. So let's start off with a trip that I took to Tennessee a little over a month ago. And let me just add this. Because as a creative, I am working to move past my perfectionism. And in that, I'm doing something totally different. I literally recorded this next bit while I was driving. You can hear the road. You can hear the texture. I'm leaving all the imperfections because that's actually what makes it quite perfect. Here goes. A little over a year ago, I embarked on a journey, a journey of self-discovery and a journey that taught me to listen to my heart. A year ago, a little over a year ago, I left my home of Los Angeles, California and decided to move back closer to home to Atlanta, Georgia. I cannot even begin. Oh, wow. (laughs) I didn't know then what was going to happen. I didn't know then that things would not turn out exactly as I had hoped. However, I do know now that I needed to go through that journey. I needed to go through the hardship to become and to continue to become the woman I am. I'm recording this from the car 
taking a little road trip to just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm going on basically a week-long creative retreat. It's something that's long overdue, something that I've needed to accomplish for a while now. Because in this transition, moving from LA to ATL, I lost part of myself and then had to rediscover myself. <laughs> As I'm driving right now, there's a big sign that says curb and to go slowly. <laughs> there were no big signs like that when my life took a hard left turn. <laughs> there were no signs like that. I just had to roll with it. And that can be hard. I'm, I always say that I'm a recovering control freak and that I want things to be the way that I want them to be. And I don't like to leave room for error. <laughs> but I realize now that the margin of error was so much greater than I had ever imagined it would be. So let me back up. Let me start you from the beginning. A couple of years ago, I knew that I needed to move to Atlanta. Something inside of me kept calling and calling me back to Atlanta. I started to invest more time into the friends and the family that I have there. And I realized that as much as I want to live out this dream in LA, LA is not an easy place to thrive. LA can be tough and just as soon as you've made it, the rug is ripped out from underneath you. I knew that I wanted a home and as we know, housing prices across the country are going up. So the price of something that I grew up in back in South Carolina would be $1.5 million not just in LA, but in Los Angeles County. And that's not realistic to me. I'm an artist and my, my budget is kind of, kind of set. I have ups and I have downs, but I have to be able to ride the wave in between all of that. So that means that I have to budget and keep a tight budget. You never know when you're gonna get another paycheck, right? <laughs> so knowing all that, I realized that maybe LA wouldn't offer me the stability that I ultimately need to prosper in this life. So I decided, I decided to move. <sighs> Words can't explain. <laughs> Words can't explain what I thought was going to happen and what has been happening. In the past year, I have lost, I have lost, I have lost. It hasn't been easy. I, the way that I view time is nonlinear. It's a circle, it takes turns their detours comes back to the same spot. 
I view it all at once like a conductor looking at a score of music and seeing each instrument parts that's how time is to me and as much as I go with the flow it's often hard to understand what your purpose is when you keep making all these left turns <sighs> so as I'm making this drive I'm starting to work things out and starting to paint the bigger picture for myself I haven't always been an optimist I haven't always been an optimistic person I have been full of self-doubt in the past full of it sometimes I can't even see past that doubt but when I decided to make this move I took a leap of faith I trust and I trusted that this would be the right decision for me that I needed to make this move that I needed to follow my heart it takes a brave being to follow, follow her heart. And that's what I did. I didn't know exactly where it would lead, but I knew that it would be better than what I was currently, what I had been, what I had been experiencing. This is my first time ever doing like a complete stream of consciousness, anything. I've been practicing every morning this exercise called Morning Pages. If you're familiar with the book The Artist's Way, then you know what I'm talking about. So I've been do doing Morning Pages and it's helped me extremely to just, to just go, to just flow, not to overthink because as a creative, I will overthink every single thing. And as I'm driving, I have one hand on the steering wheel and one hand over my heart. I have to get in touch with that part of myself to be able to tell the story. Okay. Before I left Los Angeles, there were signs that it was time for me to go. Every little thing in my apartment started annoying me my neighbors. I could hear them breathing. I could hear them waking up in the morning. So I knew I needed some space away from that. Obviously the traffic, <laughs> the traffic in Los Angeles is horrible. And while I used to endure it, I no longer had the patience for it. I just wanted more. Everything kept telling me there's more out there and you just have to find it and be open to it finding you. So I set the date for my move. And in the time that I set my date, I was working as a spokesperson of a brand. And my manager at the time was trying to coordinate a photo shoot for the brand. And I specified, okay, here's here's when I am I am available for this, and here's when I'm not. Here's when I'm moving 
here's when I'm planning on making the move. And in that same amount of time, my oldest best friend was going to be giving birth to her second and last child. And I had promised her months before, when she told me she was pregnant, that I would be there for her birth. <sighs> this is when we have to make the hard decisions. And I know that I did the best that I could at the moment. But what ended up happening was the one day that everyone else in the team said that they were available for this photo shoot was the one day that I said I was not. And my manager was trying to say that I just need to be a team player and just go with it. And I gave in to the pressure and I did. That was the last time that I allowed my work to interfere with the things that I love, to interfere with the people that I love and the promises that I've made to those people. Even now as I'm driving, I'm tearing up a little bit because we all have to make sacrifices, but that was not a sacrifice that I needed to make because ultimately, Ultimately, my time working with that brand was limited even before, even before that photo shoot, that time was limited. But the time that I had to give to my best friend and to her newborn baby, that's something that I can't get back. So I arrived in Atlanta days after my goddaughter's birth. When I saw her face, my insides lit up. I knew I'd made the right decision coming back. I knew I'd make the right decision to be closer to the people I love. What I didn't realize though, and this will come up again and again later, It was going to be hard for me to find the balance between work, family, creativity, thriving, living, following my heart, being practical. All of those things have, over the past year, have been a challenge for me. I didn't realize that going in. I had no idea. <laughs> I arrived in Atlanta a few days before my birthday. Like many birthdays before it, I didn't have big plans. I was just so thankful that I was finally where I said I wanted to be. It took a long time for me to start to feel settled, even though, even though this was a place that I had visited time and time again, Atlanta was now going to be my home. What I'd had before I moved to Atlanta, the connections that I'd made, the relationships that I'd fostered, 
I'd hoped that those would lead me and sustain me through this transition. <laughs> I didn't factor in that I was leaving other people behind in LA that I love. The goodbyes were sad, but I promised to be back. So I knew I wouldn't be gone from LA completely and for long. But I needed to give Atlanta a fighting chance. I needed to give myself a fighting chance. I celebrated my birthday in Atlanta with modestly very little fanfare, but exactly what I needed. Exactly what I needed to kind of ease into this new space. I remember spending time with a good friend of mine over those next few weeks and just explaining that I'm, I was finally here in Atlanta, that I wasn't going anywhere, that yes, I would travel back and forth to other places, but that this would be my home. I was doing that to also remind that friend that I would always be there for him. I don't know if that message came across exactly, but I needed to put it out there. I needed to put out there that my intentions aren't fleeting. I also knew in my heart that Atlanta needed me and that Atlanta still currently needs me. I didn't quite know how I would be able to show up for the city and show up for the people in the city, but I knew that I was meant to be there. And instead of being, Southerners have this thing about outsiders. They don't want to let anybody else in. They don't trust you. They don't trust what you're doing. They don't trust the changes you're making. I get that. I'm from a small Southern town. I totally and completely understand that. So I wanted, I wanted to make sure that Atlanta understood that I'm not here to take from it. I am here to give to it because there's, there's this saying, Atlanta influences everything. It's an organization, it's an Instagram account, and it's very true. What, I, what I've been learning, what I learned in the first couple of months of being in the city, Atlanta creatives are really tapped into their power. They are tapped into their art. What they're not tapped into is the bigger scope of possibilities and ownership of what they create. What I constantly heard time and time again when I go to different events and art galleries, I would constantly hear artists saying that they were feeling like their art was being robbed like everyone was profiting off of their art except for them. That outsiders would come from 
from LA and from New York and create in Atlanta, use Atlanta as a backdrop and use Atlanta artists, but not pour all of that energy back into the artists that gave so much to make the project happen. Or artists would say that they would just flat out see someone else ripping off their, their material. And so they wanted to hold it tight, to hold it close to them. And I understand this, this need to hold your, it's, it's like, it's like your baby. You don't want to let your baby, you don't want to let your baby out into the world, knowing that the world could possibly and probably will rip your baby apart. You want to hold that baby close and protect that baby. And you also want that baby to get the recognition it deserves. Atlanta artists weren't feeling like they were being recognized for their art. And I still feel like some of them don't feel like they're being recognized for their art. So instead of trying to come in and fix things, as much as I saw the problem and still see the, still see the problem, I can't just come in and fix things. That's not, I'm not a fixer. I'm a doer. I'm a creator. I'm not a fixer. And it's not my job to fix for someone else. I could only do for myself. But I knew then, just like I know now, that artists, creatives, we want to know that someone hears us and that someone sees us. So those first few months, all I did was listen and listen and listen. I'm a great observer. I'm a, I'm a journalist by education. And so I watch, I let the story play out. I don't interject too much because that's not my job. It's more like a, like an anthropologist, you know, an anthropologist goes in to watch and observe the culture they don't insert themselves into the culture. As I watched these artists, I started to understand a little bit more about my role in the city. I knew what I, what I could bring and I knew my background. I know I know I am a model. I know I'm a content creator. I know that I'm a storyteller. I also know that I'm a curator and I have this talent for bringing people together and inspiring them to do more. I know this about myself. And thank God for, for these gifts. So I knew that, just like I know now, I play a big role in, dare I say, the grand scheme of things. I play a big role. I know this. What I had to figure out also was not just how I fit into the city, 
how I can add to the city, the opportunities that I can bring to the city. What, what would that do for my heart? And what do I require to get that done? God and I have these conversations. Often they're one-sided. <laughs> but we have these conversations and I, I tell God, I tell the universe what I require. I, I used to say what I need. But I'm being more specific by saying, here's what I require. What I require continues to evolve. And at first, I said, I need patience. And I need love. The more that I said that, the more specific I needed to get the more that I started going through this journey, the more specific I had to be. In August of 2018, I traveled back to Los Angeles to speak at the Yellow Conference. And I knew that I was the first official speaker to start off the conference. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. The organizers asked me months before what I would be talking about. The topic of conversation, the topic of, the topic of the conference was ownership and taking ownership of our relationships. And I decided then, once I found out the, the grand scheme of things, I decided then that what I would talk about was taking ownership of our relationship with self. For months, I had been trying to wrap my brain around what exactly I was going to say. I haven't done, I had not done a lot of speaking engagements, just straight speaking engagements. I'm not talking about speaking on a panel or doing a quick interview. I'm talking about just me standing on a stage, talking to a room full of people. I had not done that gracious in a very, very long time. So I was, I was definitely nervous. What I was also nervous about was how could I be myself how could I speak from my heart when I was still in the midst of going through this transition? But I'm, I'm a performance-based creative 
And what I mean by that is if you give me a project, you give me a hard deadline, and that deadline, that deadline's looming over me, the very day that that project is due, the very second that I'm supposed to present that project, that's when I show up and show out. <laughs> I can do all the preparation I need, but once I hit that stage, once the spotlights are on, and the room is quiet and everything is focused on me, that's when I am at my absolute best. Yeah, I can do it. I can knock out a presentation. I can knock it out the park. I will be changing, oh gracious, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I'll be like Kanye and changing something up until the very second that it's supposed to be due. And you know what? I might even change it while I'm presenting it. <laughs> gracious, that doesn't always work with every project. <laughs> that does not always work with every project. But for this particular, this particular speech, it was down to a few days before the event that I was finalizing my speech and my presentation. What flowed out of me that day that I hit the stage, I, I honestly cannot it's like an out-of-body experience. When I'm in performance mode, I am this, whatever you see, this earthly being, whatever spirit is in this earthly being right now, she must excuse herself for a second or something because somebody else like, swoop, somebody else swoops in and it's like, Oh, wow. What? <laughs> I don't know who she was. Well, I do know. She was me. She's not the everyday me. She's the glowing goddess me. She came in and used her voice and expressed to this audience full of bright, hopeful women what I try to tell myself and how I try to console myself every day. What she did for those women is what I hope to do for you in sharing my journey. And it's what I hope to do for generations to come through my work. The title of that talk was Nurturing Number One. Taking ownership of your relationship with yourself. 
there's this line from that Jennifer Lopez movie, The Wedding Planner. And she's, she says, those who can't do teach. And she alludes to those who can't get married, plan weddings, because that's what she does in the movie. I am trying to teach myself and to heal myself and in that talk as much as I was speaking to the audience I was also speaking to myself I was on a high when I left that speech and I was on a high when I was in LA it felt great to be back. It felt great to be back doing the work that I know I'm meant to do. It felt like such a short time. And I was hoping that I could use that energy, that momentum from that speak, from that speaking engagement to start to do more work like that in Atlanta. What I didn't know also was that I had literally just begun not just a physical transition from one coast to the, to the other, but an emotional and spiritual transition as well. My friend Tatiana Zamir invited me to a healing workshop for women in Atlanta. She was doing like a tour, LA, New York, Atlanta, a couple of other cities in between, but she was definitely bringing this experience to Atlanta because she felt like Atlanta women, women of color needed this experience to heal. And of course, when she invited me, I said, yes, of course, I wanted to be there, I wanted to support her. I admire the work that she does. It's light work. It's light work, it's healing work. I didn't understand why I specifically needed to go. <laughs> and this is, this is 100% ego talking. This is 100%, oh, I'm on this journey. Oh, I'm healing. I'm good. I'm not as far, off as, as far off as I used to be, but I'm not. I don't need all this extra. That's what that was. That was ego. Best believe when I get to this workshop, we start doing the exercises. Oh my God. The floodgates opened and they opened wide all of the emotion that I didn't even realize I had been bottling up. It came, it came gushing 
out of my soul and I started crying. Months before, I had done hypnotherapy with a friend of mine and we had worked through some of these bottled up emotions. And I had put those problems into a box, closed the box, put the box in a vault on a shelf, closed the vault and locked it away. And the, during the workshop, that vault that I had locked up, those emotions that I had locked away, they came out, they got out. And I had locked them away during the hypnotherapy so that it wouldn't consume me, so that I could gradually work on those things that had plagued me when I could work on them in my own time. But during that healing workshop, it all, it all came out. There was a moment that I was dancing and I was moving and the tears, the heavy breathing, it all, it all started penetrating through my body uncontrollably. And I realized then that I couldn't close the vault anymore. What I had previously thought, the way that I had previously thought I could handle my problems was no longer working for me. I'm sure at this point in time you've heard me say to let go of the things that are no longer serving you. That defense mechanism that I had put in place long time ago, I realized then that it was no longer serving me and that I had just completely broken the lock and would never be able to shut that vault again. It became more obvious and more obvious going through that healing workshop and then months after that, that was just the tip of the iceberg. That was just the beginning. That was just a, a small piece of what was to come. You know that every morning I wake up and I say, meditations and affirmations and I've been doing this this routine 
this has been my routine for a while now, years. What started as a reaction to something and to someone else has become my norm, it's become my therapy. Now I am proactive in my affirmations. I'm proactive in my meditation practice. And during this time of transition, and a friend of mine told me this morning that I'm not done yet. <sighs> it's like when you wanna breathe that sigh of relief Somebody says you're not done yet. The universe says you're not done yet. Okay. All right, so we keep going. That daily practice has kept me afloat. That daily practice continues to keep me hopeful of what I know is just around the corner. A few months after I moved to Atlanta, I realized that my relationship to one of my best friends was not what it used to be. Something was different. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but something was different. Something had shifted, something had changed. And I know that, I knew that we were both growing. What I'd always hoped was that we could grow together. Well, we took a detour. I didn't even see the detour coming, at least not like that. I believe in space. I believe in giving someone their space, someone their, their time to work through, to self-correct, to self-heal. What I didn't expect was that that same person would alienate me. At least that's how it felt. It felt like alienation. The person that I counted on to be there for me wasn't there. And it hurt. I'm not sure if you read the four agreements, but one of the agreements is don't take anything personally. It's not about you. If something is going on with someone else, that's about them. That's their issue within themselves and that that issue has nothing to do with you. But damn, if it isn't so hard to accept that when you're going through it. It is so hard to accept that someone isn't doing something to you because they want to do something hurtful to you, 
has nothing to do with you and it has everything to do with them. But when we are in the midst of that, as much as we are tell, as much as we tell ourselves, don't take it personally, as much as we tell ourselves, don't take it personally, <laughs> as much as we tell ourselves, don't take it personally, we still do. Oh, and I took that one hard. I took it hard. closer and closer to Nashville. Am I? Am I? <laughs> I don't think I've ever driven through Tennessee by myself. So this is, this is exciting. This is great. I also have absolutely no idea where I am in reference to where where I've ever been in the state. So, am I near Nashville? <laughs> Maybe? Okay, I mean, I'm somewhere. You know what, here's the most important thing. Whenever I'm, whenever I'm traveling with my family and I ask my mom, hey ma, where are we? She always says, we're right here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this to myself. And I'm gonna say this to you because sometimes we, we feel lost. We're trying to get our bearings. We're like, What's going on? Where am I? Say it with me. I am right here. I am right here. Oh, put your hand over your heart. Take a deep breath in. out a big sigh. You are right here. Whenever I give talks, I always try to figure in some way of throwing in an affirmation, little meditation, and grounding. I think that's important. It helps me get my bearings as well. It helps me press pause and breathe. 
I realized the past year of transitioning, I've had to do this, this breathing exercise a lot to regroup my spirit and prepare for what's to come. Like I said before, time to me is non-linear. I'm aware that there will be some challenges. Sometimes I'm even aware of exactly, oh gracious, I have to get over. <laughs> so what happens when you're recording and trying to follow directions at the same time. We're not always the best at multitasking. Okay, I got over, taking my exit, and about to give you a countdown. Is that funny? <clears throat> All right, so I'm heading west. I'm heading west, okay. Strange. All right, taking my exit in. Three, two, one. Oh wow, there's like a cute little race car right in front of me right now. It's got a little, some stripes on it. Okay, so I realized that yes, I have, I have passed by Nashville already. <laughs> this is funny. Funny. Okay. If this story seems a little choppy to you, it's because of stream of consciousness. I did not write any of this down before I started recording. I'm just talking. But this is kind of the. This is very similar to. Uh, this is very similar to my internal dialogue. This is very similar to the stories that go in and out of my head. I do believe it's important to talk to yourself. If you are trying to work something out especially, it is important to say and to vocalize what you're thinking. Say it out loud, get it out there, put it out there. Even if it's a negative thought, so often it is. Even if, even if it's a negative thought, it's important to vocalize that so that you can immediately, immediately reframe that negativity. Oh wow, my heart just, it's like a big boom. I've had to reframe the negativity. Even when I was deep in it, I had to reframe the negativity. At the end of 2018, I was kind of on a high work-wise. Some things were cultivating. 
things were coming together and then personally things were falling apart. And I was reminded of something that I heard at a meditation workshop. Her name is Reverend Angel Kyoto, I think her last name is. She said something during this workshop, during her talk, she said something that really stuck out to me. That sometimes we have to come completely undone. And I realized at the end of last year that that's what was happening to me. That I was coming completely undone. And I couldn't, I couldn't manipulate it. I couldn't try to be the puppet master. It just needed to happen. And as much as I tried to grasp for air, and I realized that I needed to express what I was feeling, it wasn't going to change what still needed to happen and what would eventually happen. The unraveling of my world. I'm going to press pause for another few moments, take a quick break so I can come back and talk to myself and thank you for listening. Although I'm pressing pause on the story because I'm almost at my destination, I am incredibly grateful for the story that I've shared thus far. This journey that I'm on, it's tremendous and so necessary. I don't think that I would have written this story any other way than the way that it is currently unfolding. As I drive through the mountains and hills of Tennessee, I am reminded that the story will go on and that when I emerge from this experience, this experience on this retreat, I will be forever changed. And I know that sounds really, really dramatic, but I came here to be changed. I moved to Atlanta to change, to grow, to evolve, most importantly, to love. So that's it, I'm signing off and You'll hear me on the next trip.
maybe a little in between. Bye. <laughs>